Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We are um, privileged to be here gathered together to receive the Word of God. I have the privilege of not only using this time to minister the Word uh, for us here that are in this room, but this is also uh, a service that will be uh, ministering to our church family in Kansas. So as we enter into the Word today, I am on a specific assignment. Over the last few weeks, the Lord has been emphasizing to me the importance of the flow of joy and having the flow of joy in operation every day. If you were with, if you had the opportunity to uh, tune in to the service or be with uh, us, for those of us here in the service on Sunday, we talked about joy. And uh, for those of you in Kansas, I will be there this weekend and we'll be talking about joy. But I don't want it to be something that you think you know because none of us are at the place that we know everything God can teach us. And so we want to always have in our heart a openness and a an hunger and a desire to receive because uh, this is uh, necessary for uh, that supernatural flow to, to, to have its revealing in your life, you, you have to have the appetite for it. And so we want to have an appetite for the Word and we want to have an appetite for the things that God says are vital to us. Uh, I just want to read from Romans. Uh, there's a specific verse here that uh, tells us here in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So he says this is, this is something God does in our life. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing for there to be a, an accurate operation of faith we need a fullness of joy and a fullness of peace he says he wants to fill us fill you with all joy and peace this word joy is a word that also means gladness this, this joy, this gladness is not an emotional response of, of happy, but it is a spiritual flow of joy, a joy that comes out of our innermost being, a joy that is not affected by what's going on around us. It is a joy that the Word of God tells us in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 is strength to us. Joy in God's in God's definition, if you looked it up in God's dictionary and you looked for joy and you switched over there and you found J and you went down J-O-Y and you said, this is what God says joy is. God says joy is strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if we want to be strong in the Lord, we have to be people of joy. If we want to be strong in the Lord, if we want to be walking in that strength and experiencing that spiritual strength in our innermost being, we're not going to be sad. We're not going to be yielding to sadness. We're not going to be entertaining thoughts of sadness. In opportunities to be sad, we're going to opt out of those opportunities and we're going to be joyful despite the opportunity. And so... He says that God fills us with all joy and peace in believing. Those are companions to faith. If you're in a faith fight for your health, you need to protect your joy and protect your, your peace because they are companions to the operation of faith. Faith 
is not a standalone kind of power. It is not a standalone uh, instrument. For, for the instrument of faith to have its full work in our life, we need the other flows of, of the Spirit that are identified here, joy and peace in believing. I really appreciate something the Holy Spirit gave to Keith Moore a number of years ago, and he shared it numerously, uh, numerous times throughout his preaching, but it always has stuck with me. He says that the Lord showed him this little poem to identify the operation of joy. He says, uh, the operation of faith. He says, faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. And how the scripture brings evidence to that. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. If you're in faith, you've got joy and peace in the believing. But doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. So we can look for symptoms to find out if we're in faith. The Bible tells us, examine yourself and see if you be in faith. You've got to look and say, do I just have the head knowledge about how faith operates or is my heart actual, accurately in this moment operating faith? And when we're standing for healing, when we're standing for anything that is ours by covenant, healing, finances, the salvation of our family, any of those things, when we move over into complaining, that is a, that's a big red flag to tell us we are not, faith is not working, danger, danger, Will Robinson, faith is not working. We, we need faith and faith is going to be evidenced or, or identified by joy and peace. Back up to chapter 14 of Romans and look at verse 17. It says the kingdom of God, that's the kingdom we're operating in. That's the kingdom that our healing is in. That's the kingdom that our finances, uh, the, the blessing of our finances, are. they're available in the kingdom. It says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of heaven, you could say, is operating in these streams, these spiritual streams or these spiritual energies of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the flow of the kingdom. That's, that's as Brother Jerry Savelle said the other day, that's how we roll right? That's how we roll in the kingdom. That's how we operate in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And so the kingdom isn't operated by need. You could say, but Lord, I need you to heal my body. The kingdom's not operated by need. The presence of a symptom is not enough to uh, access the supply of healing. The need for healing is not enough to access the supply for healing. The need for financial blessing is not enough to access. There has to be the spiritual instruments. It would be just like if I walked into the bank and I said, I need money out of my account. I've got money in my account and I need you to give me money out of my account. But they're going to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But I need you to sign this paper. <laughs> I need you to fill out this withdrawal slip. I can't just walk in and demand money out of my account. They need my account number. They need evidence that I am who is the legal person on that account, right? It's mine. It, it's, pay, it's already deposited in my account. I'm not trying to get them to give me something that doesn't belong to me. And when we're dealing with things of our covenant like healing or, or uh, whatever promise it is that we're utilizing our faith to obtain, We've got to recognize the need isn't the reason that God is going to, that the, that the kingdom is going to supply it. God has already supplied it in the covenant. We've got to bring faith. Remember what he said in Romans chapter 4. Back up and look at Romans chapter 4. He says here in verse 13 of Romans chapter 4, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world... That's the promise we have inherited. Hebrews chapter 6 says that we have inherited this promise. The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through 
the righteousness which is of faith. So the promise was made through faith. Verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure. This word sure means stable, valid, or guaranteed. The promise of healing is stable, valid, and guaranteed. The promise of financial blessing is stable, valid, and guaranteed. The promise of a sound mind for the believer is stable, valid, and guaranteed. The promise of protection is stable, valid, and guaranteed. I'm just going through the, the promises that come, come to my mind of things that we access regularly. We access protection regularly. We access the promise of the salvation of our family members. We want to keep that one on a constant faith demand, right? They are stable, valid, and guaranteed because it is of faith and by grace. So by grace means God's deposit has already been made. In, in grace, in grace, all of these covenant provisions have already been deposited into our account. But we have to use the correct spiritual methods to access what's in the account. In the same way that for us to get money out of our bank account, we have to use either a check, a debit card, or we have to go in with a withdrawal slip that, that contains the information such as our, our account number and our signature. Those are legal means to access what is ours in the deposit account. And faith is the legal means to access what is ours in the account of healing. Healing is already deposited. We are not trying to get God to heal us. And that's why if people go on the basis of need, they're going to say, oh, but Lord, I need you to heal me. There's no faith in that. Do you see? That, that would be like me saying, but I need you to give me my money out of my account. They're going to say, I would love to, but you need to give me the proper paperwork <laughs> because they have to evidence that we have legally withdrawn it. And, and there, that faith gives an imprint in the spirit realm that we have legally withdrawn from our account. Amen? So faith is for our safety. It's not because God's trying to make this hard, because faith is not hard. He's given us the ingredients of faith. All we, he's given us the heart that will work faith. All we have to do is put the ingredient in the ground, put the seed in the ground, and faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. That's how we get it in the ground. That's what Proverbs, or I'm sorry, that's what the parable of the sower was speaking of. Proverbs says it in Proverbs chapter 4, attend to my words. Get them in the midst of your heart. Incline your ear to hear them. So Proverbs says it, Mark chapter 4, Jesus said it in the parable of the sower. He said the sower uh, sowed the word and these are they which heard. And these are they which heard. And those which heard it. So the hearing was the way that it was deposited. The, the sower spoke it, but the, the ground heard it. And so it was deposited in the account and it came. So faith is not hard and faith is stable. It is valid. It is guaranteed for us through this spiritual mechanism of faith, this spiritual uh, access of faith. In the same way, the joy and peace which operate along with faith, they are companions to our faith. They are a necessary part because they help us to guard. They help us, joy helps us stay strong and peace helps us to guard our heart and our mind. That's what Philippians says. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So while we're in this operation of faith we've got joy that helps us maintain strength to receive and we've got peace that helps us to guard against the attacks to try to get us off of our faith and so joy is something that we have to be skilled in if we're going to be people of great faith if we're going to be people of great strength strong in the Lord we're going to be people of great joy and I want to look at Psalm chapter 68. Psalm chapter 68. People of great joy. It's not going to happen just because we got born again. 
although when we get born again, we usually have that, that emotional feeling and that, that even excitement about being saved. And that's why sometimes people think they've backslidden just because they don't have that same uh, excitement that they had when they first got saved. But you can. <laughs> you, have to con you have to stay in that flow. What happened is they became... When we first got born again, we, we received the fruit of the Spirit and we had joy for the first time ever, right? And then we've got to work it. Then we've got to put that joy to work and keep it in its uh, uh, operation. So Psalm chapter 68, I want to look at verses 3 and 4 because they let us know that we are authorized to exceedingly rejoice at all times. We don't have to wait for something good to happen to choose to, 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 that will cause us to rejoice, that will provoke a rejoicing. You can provoke your own rejoicing at will. At any moment, you can say, I'm going to joy right now in the Lord for what he's done for me. I just want to tell you right now, I'm so glad that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm so glad that he washed me in the blood and cleansed me from all of my sin. I was a sinner, but Jesus Christ came into my heart and he has washed me and I'm so glad about it. I'm so glad that he washed me and made me clean. I'm glad that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm so glad and you can, you can choose to rejoice. And this is, this is wisdom for us. It is wisdom to provoke yourself into joy on a regular basis. Verse 3 says, but, and I want to, to read the King James and then I'm going to read the Amplified. Verse 3 says, but let the righteous be glad. Well, this, when, I, when I see the word righteous, I find out my homework. Let the righteous, that's me, let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. We don't have to wait for something to cause that to happen to us. We don't have to wait until the symptoms are gone to exceedingly rejoice. We don't have to wait until a doctor's report comes back that says things are different to exceedingly rejoice. We can exceedingly rejoice without what the doctor's report. We can exceedingly rejoice while the symptoms are still uh, saying what they're saying. Why do I care what Goliath says? Why do I care what Goliath says? Is what Goliath says of any importance in my life? That's what the symptoms are. They're like Goliath standing on the other side of the battlefield, making the threats and saying this and saying that, and you're not going to get any better, and you're not going to feel better tomorrow, and this is going to hang on to you. Lie. It's a lie. But I'm holding truth in my heart. I've got the truth of God's Word, and the truth of God's Word says, by His stripes I am healed. So Goliath, you just taunt all you you want to you talk all you want to because I'm not listening I'm gonna rejoice and I am going to exceedingly rejoice at at a decision that I make not because there is something that warrants in the natural a rejoicing this is enough reason to rejoice this word of God who God is is enough reason to rejoice what Jesus has done for me is enough reason to rejoice. So he says the righteous are to be glad. We are to rejoice before God. We are to exceedingly rejoice. Verse 4 says, sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Jehovah, and rejoice before him. The Amplified says, let the uncompromisingly righteous be glad. Let them be in high spirits and glory before God. Let them be in high spirits and glory before God. So make that your homework. When you get up and you feel like you need, more, you need a, a second uh, 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 carafe of coffee and we just need the whole pitcher I, I'm not a cup is not enough right get your get your joy involved in your spirit and it will take over for the caffeine amen the joy will provide what the caffeine can't provide amen and 
It says, be, let them be in high spirits. We always have a reason to rejoice. Always. If you're born again, you always have a reason to rejoice. If you've been washed in the blood, you always have a reason to rejoice. You don't need something new. You can keep rejoicing over the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the fact that you're not the, the sinner that you were before Christ, but you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can rejoice in what he's done for you. You know what? The, the real essence of rejoicing is who God is. And he never changes. So our rejoicing should never change. If, my, if the, if the uh, motivation for my rejoicing is who he is, what he has done, then those things never change. What God has done, it's established. What, who God is doesn't change. So my, my rejoicing can maintain a consistency because God never changes. It says, let them be in high spirits and glory before God. Yes, let them jubilantly rejoice. Jubilantly rejoice. Hallelujah. Let them jubilantly rejoice. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Cast up a highway for him. The King James said uh, in verse For extol him. In the Amplified, it says, cast up a highway for him. Extol him. So it's telling us this word extol in the King James, it means to praise enthusiastically, heap praise on, or express delight over. To praise enthusiastically, to heap praise on, or express delight over. And when we do that, it prepares a path for God to come into our situation and work. That's why the Amplified says, cast up a highway for him. What is my highway? It's a praise highway. It's a declaration highway. You know, when, when John the Baptist came, he was preparing a way for Jesus. How did he prepare the way? For the one who was to come after him with declarations, with, with him acknowledging and pronouncing and declaring. Well, when we take our praise and we say, my God is more than enough. My God is the healer and by his stripes I'm healed. He takes sickness far from the midst of me. Healing is the children's bread. I'm making a highway. I'm casting a highway in those declarations and in that praisings that God can enter into my situation. Now, if a person, not you because you wouldn't say this, but if a person said, I don't know what I'm going to do if God doesn't heal me because I just feel so bad and I'm so sick all the time and I don't know what God's going to do, if he, what, I, what I'm going to do if God doesn't save my children because they're going to hell in a handbasket and I don't know what God's going to do if, if, uh, uh, about my finances finances because I got, I got too much month at the end of my money. I got more coming in, uh, more going out than I got coming in. And well, you know what? They are shutting the door to the plan of God. They are shutting the door to the help of God. God said in Malachi, he said concerning, it was uh, the people who were saying it is vain to serve God. He said, your words are stout against me. And one translation says, your words have tied my hands. And they were saying, it's vain to bring our offerings to God. It's vain to tithe and bring to God. And it, their words were stopping God from being able to do anything to help them in their life. And so our praises prepare a path for God into that situation. The Bible says he inhabits the praises. He inhabits praises. And that word inhabit means to enthrone. So when you are praising God, you are creating a place of honor and dignity and authority. A throne represents dominion. And God has dominion in my life because I give him dominion. Because I submit to him and praise is one of those ways that I bring his dominion into a greater effectiveness and a greater liberty in my life. If the sickness is trying to gain dominion, I don't want to talk sickness. 
Why? Because it's, it's going to give honor to the sickness. That's why we shouldn't, we shouldn't lower our voice when we say a name of a disease. Oh, you know, she's got cancer. Well, why did, why did they lower their voice when they said that? It's almost like a, a hushed reverence of the danger of that sickness. Cancer is no harder for God to heal than a cold. COVID is not hard for God to heal. Emphysema is not hard for God to heal. Uh, diabetes is not hard for God to heal. All of them are under the dominion that God is above and they are under. Amen? So our praises bring God up in the situation and prepare a path for Him to come into that situation and minister His liberty and His authority in that situation. Go with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89 and verse 15 and 16. Psalm 89, 15 says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. The joyful sound. The good word, God's word translation says, Blessed are the people who know how to praise you. The Message Bible says, blessed are the people who know the passwords of praise. You know, there are, if, if you know the password, you can get in and use all that that application or that software uh, on the computer uh, brings to help your life with. But if you don't know the password, you can have an expensive computer loaded with all of the, the coolest things. You can have a phone that is top of the line. But if you don't know the password, you can't even get into it. It's not going to help you. He says praise is a password. Praise is a password. It unlocks kingdom provision and kingdom supply and kingdom help for our life. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. This word joyful sound in the original language is not just a song or a, a lifting of a voice to say hallelujah. It is actually a word that in the original language means to sound an alarm, a signal. It is a shout of war or joy. I thought that was interesting that they could put war and joy right there in the same definition. It's either a shout of war or a shout of joy, and it can be both. Because when we enter into a battle, we're fighting the good fight, and the good fight's the one we win. We're entering in victorious. Even if it is a sickness attacking our body, we've already got the victory because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so our shout of joy is a shout of war, amen? But it is a shout. Another definition from the Strong's Concordance for this word joyful sound is a battle cry, a loud noise. So it says, blessed are the people who know how to sound the alarm, who know how, how to give a signal of joy, who know how to give a shout of war, a shout of joy, Blessed are the people who know the battle cry. Hallelujah! That's the battle cry. Hallelujah! If symptoms are attacking your body, hallelujah! If doubt is, is, is coming against your mind, just, just beating against your mind, battle cry. It's a shout. It's a loud noise. Blessed are the people who know the loud noise. Well, it's not a loud noise of gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's not the right noise. We don't want to sing that at all, especially not volumed up, right? We want to have uh, joy noises. We want to have a joyful sound. We want to have this shout, this battle cry that God is on the throne and He is overcoming in my situation. Amen? A loud noise. Hallelujah. Verse 16 says, In your name shall they rejoice all the day. All the day. In your name shall they rejoice all the day, and in your righteousness shall they be exalted. This word rejoice, this word rejoice 
means literally, from the Hebrew Chaldee Dictionary, it literally means to go in a circle. To go in a circle. To leap for joy. The Hebrew Chaldee Lexicon says that this word rejoice means to go in a circle. So Billy Brim has it right when she goes, She is on target. She is doing this rejoicing right here. To go in a circle, to leap for joy. The Strong's Concordance says to spin around. Hallelujah. So it says, In your name shall they go in a circle, leap for joy, and spin around all the day. (laughs) I'm talking about exceedingly rejoicing. I'm telling you how to be really strong in God. I'm telling us how to really build our spiritual strength to overcome the physical attack or the financial attack or the mental attack. There's a spiritual supply here that will override all of those other areas and the way to access it is to spin around, to make a very loud shout, a battle cry of joy to the Lord, to go in a circle and leap for joy. Hallelujah. He says that we will do this all the day, that we rejoice all the day. And we want to become skilled in the flow of joy. We want to make it a... And you know, joy is kind of like one of those old-time pumps. You know, you put a little bit of water in it to get it started. you got to prime the pump, right? You put that little bit of water and then you got to get it going. But if you'll get it going, it'll keep going. And joy is like that. If you'll get the joy going and then that first few days or that first week might seem like you're really having, maybe because all of the situation and the circumstance had the momentum of your life going towards the negativity or going towards the looking at the circumstance and the situation and how you feel and what the symptoms are and what the doctor's report is and what WebMD says about the situation. We've got to change the momentum. And so the joy flow, you start priming the pump by putting these scriptures in and Say, I am blessed because I know the joyful sound. I walk, Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name, I will rejoice. I will spin around, go in a circle and leap for joy all the day. And then you start practicing that throughout the day. And then you're turning the momentum of your life until you're not giving the attention or the honor to what WebMD said, what the symptoms say, what the circumstance looks like, but instead you've got such an attention enamored with the Word of God, focused on what God said, stirring you up to rejoice, and you began to see God turn that situation. And that's what we want to recognize. God uses joy to change things. God uses joy to change the direction of circumstances. I want to give you an example. Psalm chapter 30 and verse 11. God uses joy to change the direction of our lives. Psalm 30 and verse 11 says this. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. That's a complete turn. That's a complete turn. To go from mourning to dancing, that's a 180 degree turn, right? From mourning, which is as low as you can go emotionally, to the highest form of expression of joy, you have turned it. God is capable of turning the mourning into dancing. What's going to be the force that turns? It's joy. He says, you have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. So we've taken off the the sackcloth, which represents that sadness. And it was a, a, a main thing that represented loss, right? When they, when they would be in a position of loss or it could mean repentance. But when, for instance, David was uh, uh, facing the sickness and the loss of that, his, the baby that had been born out of the relationship with uh, uh, Solomon's mother, uh, he, he put on sackcloth 
So it can mean repentance, but it can also represent loss or sadness. And so it says God will take that off and he will gird us with something else. He will gird us, he will clothe us in gladness. So God doesn't want to put sackcloth on us. I mean, if we need to repent of something, let's repent and get your, get your glad clothes back on. Get your glad clothes back on because we've got, we've got we're, we're children of the light. We're dressed in the armor of light. We need to be flowing in the light and living in the light. He has turned our lives through the force of joy from mourning to dancing, from sackcloth, and he has girded us with gladness. Isaiah 61 is another example of this uh, complete turn that God produces with the flow of joy. Isaiah 61, I want to look at verse 3. Jesus, you know, was ministering from this chapter. Verse 3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. So again, another example of sackcloth and ashes. He says, I want to take the ashes off and I want to adorn you with beauty. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now those three examples, we've got beauty, we've got the oil of joy, we've got the garment of praise. Two of them are clearly identifying something that would be joy or rejoicing. It says the oil of joy, the garment of praise. So we could identify that beauty is included in that. That he's not talking about just necessarily a natural appearance, but a spiritual glow. A spiritual glow. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God does not want His people wearing the spirit of heaviness. You aren't fit for the spirit of heaviness. You aren't designed for the spirit of heaviness. You are designed to wear the garment of praise. You're designed for it. You, this is designer clothing. God designed a specific line of apparel for His children to wear. We're to be wearing the Father's design mark, the Father's name brand apparel, the garments of praise, the garments of praise. If we walk into the Father's presence wearing the spirit of heaviness, He is going to say, you're not leaving the house dressed like that. You know, when my children were younger, if, if, of course, I didn't let them buy anything, but if they borrowed clothes from one of their friends and, and, I, and they tried to wear something, and I'm like, oh, girl, that is not for you. Take that off. You're not wearing that. Well, I borrowed it from my friend Susie, and, 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 and I want to wear it. To, no, no, no. You're not leaving the house dressed like that. Well, if we come out with the spirit of heaviness, the Father's going to stop us at the door and send us back to the closet and tell us, you need to go change. Don't wear that out of the house. Don't wear that at all. Give that back to whoever you borrowed it from because it is not for, uh, a fit for you to wear. The spirit of heaviness is not designed to exist in our lives one moment. We don't have to allow it for one moment. And some people say, well, you know, when this happens, you can't help but grieve. Or when such and such takes place, you can't help. I can always choose to respond out of my spirit. I am never at the mercy of an emotional response. No matter what report may come, no matter what event may take place, I am always at liberty to choose a spiritual response of peace and joy and stay in the kingdom flow. I am never in a situation where I have no other option but to live out of my emotions. Never. I am not designed to live out of the spirit of heaviness and so I'm not going to uh, opt for it. So he says here, that he uses this oil of joy, this garment of praise to bring a 180 degree different flow or direction to our lives. Psalm 126. Psalm 126 uh, verses 1 through 3. Hallelujah. I'm helping myself. I know I'm helping you. Psalm 126 1. 
when the Lord turned, God uses joy to turn things. When the Lord turned, again, the captivity of Zion. Zion is a reference that is uh, referencing the church. When the Lord turned, again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. We were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with? When? After God turned it. After God turned the situation, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof, or that is why we are glad. Well, God's already turned it for us. According to His Word, He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. According to His Word, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. It's already turned for us. The, the, the entering in of our faith to the promise that is already legally ours, bringing it into vital manifestation, living manifestation comes as we take God at His word and say, God has done great things for me. I'm not waiting on Him to do it because He already did it. Do you remember Brother Kenneth Copeland? He was talking about when they went to uh, one of Brother Hagin's meetings. It was uh, snowing there in Tulsa and he said we, had, we were arriving late because we were having to make our way through the snow and the slick roads. And we got there a few minutes after the service had started, a little while after the service had already been going on for a while. And there was a woman coming out, and she was angry. She was coming out of the service. She was angry, and she was slamming the doors. And, and she said, you mean to tell me I've been healed over 2,000 years and nobody's told me before now? And he said, I knew who was on the other side of her anger. Her, whoever she had been sitting under, whatever Sunday school teacher she'd been sitting under all those years, whatever preacher she'd been listening to all those years who had never told her that she was already healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen? We don't have to be in that position where we're looking around saying, how come nobody told me? I'm telling you today, He has done great things for you. And that's why you can go ahead and be glad now. Go ahead and exceedingly rejoice now. Go ahead and put on your garment of praise. Cast off that spirit of heaviness. Go ahead and enter in to the full supply and the provision that's in your covenant. That supply of healing is yours now. Just enter in with your faith and your thanksgiving. Enter in with your praise and prepare that path for the healer to come into your situation and, and set at liberty them that are bruised to move aside all of those symptoms and establish healing in your organs and healing in your blood and healing in your bones and healing in your ligaments and healing in your joints. Come on, bringing restoration so that your mind is blessed is the memory of the just, amen? So that your heart and your lungs, they are strong, they are clear, they are healthy, they are ready to keep you alive as, until you're satisfied. Amen. He says, the Lord turned the captivity and he used joy to turn it. He turned it with joy. And then our mouth was filled with laughter. Why? Because in that area of bondage, they didn't have joy. Do you see why it's important for us to bring our joy to the forefront of the fight? To bring that joy out to the, the center of our focus and, and use joy like a weapon. Use joy to, to strengthen and fortify our faith and our stand. Isaiah, uh, let me finish the, the, uh, in this verse. The uh, Passion Translation says, when it says, Our mouth was filled with laughter, the Passion Translation says, We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. Psalm chapter 100, it says, uh, um, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness, right? The Message, Bibles, or the Message Bible says, uh, um, bring God a gift of laughter. Bring God a gift of laughter. 
He loves it. He loves it. It says, we laughed and we laughed and overflowed with gladness. I'm still in Psalm 126. I was just referencing Psalm 100. Psalm 126 in the Wycliffe translation says, then our mouth was filled with joy and our tongue was filled with full out joying. Full out joying. That's what I was talking about on Sunday. Full out joying. Hallelujah. Our tongue was filled with full out joying. What is full out? Full out. That means the maximum. That means top uh, of the, the scale. Full out. I'm not just giving it a little bit of energy. I'm not just giving it half of my energy. I'm giving it all that we've got. If you get on the interstate and you go full out, you can find out what your car can do, right? I don't recommend it. Full out, but you can full out joy and not get pulled over. You can full out joy and not be slowed down. Amen? It says our tongue was filled with full out joying. I want to be skilled in full out joying. I'm just telling y'all. Just, just watch and see. I am on a mission to, to in my life, prepare and, and oh, cultivate a flow of joy in my life so that I can be exceedingly rejoicing, full out rejoicing, on demand, in a moment, just that I live in a lifestyle that is so quick to respond with joy. Amen? Isaiah 35, 10. Isaiah 35 and verse 10. There are two scriptures... In Isaiah, both of them say very similar. I think it's just like one word difference. Isaiah 35.10 and 51.11 both say the same thing. Isaiah 35.10 or Isaiah 51.11, they both say this. And it says, the ransomed of the Lord. I think um, 51.11 says the redeemed. That's the only difference. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Sion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Everlasting joy. This is the turn that God makes in our life. This is the force that God uses to turn things. We're, we're going to come to the church with everlasting, not come to the church to get everlasting joy. We're going we're gonna to keep it. We're gonna, it's going to be the apparel that we wear. It's going to be the crown upon our life. Everlasting joy on their heads. Did you see that? With everlasting joy upon their heads. Hallelujah. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, joy, again, is a, is a, has an ability to turn things. It has an ability to turn things. I want to look at an example from the New Testament in Acts chapter 16. Because if you need to turn uh, your situation, you can get joy out and turn it around. Joy, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse. Uh, let's begin in verse 19. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. That was a lie. That wasn't what they were doing. But they were mad, so they made up a lie because they were angry about what had happened when their... Uh, servant girl got set free from the demons that had possessed her. Verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Are they in a bad situation? It looks pretty hopeless. It says they've already been beaten. They laid many stripes upon them. They could have looked at this 
and said, how did this go so bad? We just did what God told us to do. We just set that girl free the way he told us to go in his name and cast out demons. That's what we did, Lord. Why is this happening? We were preaching the gospel, minding our own business, cast the demon out of this girl, and now they've got the whole city turned against us. They have beaten us, and they put us in the innermost part of this dungeon. And it says, having the jailers, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. I mean, these aren't, these aren't uh, terrorists. They aren't criminals. They, are, they haven't been out murdering anybody. They haven't been out uh, uh, causing, set, they aren't setting fires around town or, or uh, uh, you know, doing something that is of a criminal activity. They were preaching. And now they're beaten and they are hand and foot. It says their feet are fast in the stocks. They are in the stocks. And what did they do? At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and. So their prayer wasn't a gloomy prayer, was it? Their prayer wasn't a desperate prayer. Remember, faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Are they despairing? Are they complaining? Are they sad? Evidently not. Evidently their praying was was a momentary prayer. It says they prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. So they, their prayer was an uplifting prayer that was, followed with, that was followed with joyful noises. Blessed are the people who know how to make a joyful sound. They're followed, they've got joyful singing and praising. And what does praise do? What did we see that that word exalt meant? It meant to cast a highway for the Lord. They started singing, praising God, and God had a path into their situation. And he turned their situation, and their prayers were a part of the initiation of that turn. If they had not made a joyful noise that God could enthrone himself upon, he inhabits praises, he enthrones himself on the praise. If they had not had praises that prepared a path and prepared a throne for God to take authority over that situation, this is the question we need to ask ourselves. Would it have turned? Would it have stayed there? Would it, have, would it have gone a different direction if they had not done what they did? Or was their response of praise, was their action of praise something that God was able to use to come into that situation and turn it? I believe it was. I believe that this is the same for you and I, that we have the authority in that situation to lift up our voices and give God an open door into the situation, or not you, but the other people may lift up their voices and talk the problem and open the door for more problems. Not you. You're going to open the door for God to move. You're going to praise Him in the midst of the situation. In Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3, it tells us what happened in the spirit realm from what we saw in Acts chapter 16. We can know by this scripture what takes place. Isaiah 12 and verse 2 gives us that behind-the-scenes picture. It says in verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw out. I know it says water, but just hold water over here for a minute. You, with joy you draw out. With joy you draw out of salvation. So salvation is like a well. It has a provision. It has a supply. How do I get out of my well, my supply of salvation, into my circumstance, into this thing I'm facing? How do I get it out? With joy. Joy draws out of salvation into my situation. Notice in verse 2, it says, The Lord is my strength. He also is become my salvation. 
Now, we know salvation is a word that means rescue, restoration. It is a very, it is a very big word. It's a very powerful word. It's a very packed word. But it's talking about a wholeness. It means rescue. It means uh, uh, deliverance. It means provision. So it can be a, a, the salvation that includes our being born again, but it also can mean God got me out of that financial situation. He brought me out of debt. It can mean that God uh, uh, brought me out of that sickness. He is my salvation from that sickness. And so how do I get... It says He is my strength and He's become my salvation. So in other words... Because I trusted in him, in verse 2, I'll trust in him, I won't be afraid. He's my strength. And as I'm trusting in him, with my rejoicing, expressing that trust, he comes to my rescue again and again and again. And he rescues me and he restores me and he, he delivers me. He brought me out of this and he'll bring me out of anything else that comes along. He has become my salvation. Every time I need help, he's my help. He's my ever-present help in time of trouble. And it says, with joy. That's why. Verse 3 starts with the word, therefore. This is why, with joy, you draw out of salvation. With joy, you draw out of rescue, of God's help. So in James chapter 1, the people were writing to James who was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He was also a, a leader in the, in the body of Christ at that time. And because of his position, there were people who were going through very difficult times under persecution and they were writing to the apostle James and they were telling him, you can tell of course in verses 12 down through 15 that he is having to correct them about their perception because they're saying evidently in their letters we can tell what they were saying by how he responded to them he is telling them don't say God put you through that because don't say God's allowing that to come on you don't say God does because God doesn't tempt man with evil that's what he's dealing with in this chapter so there are people who are going through very difficult things in their life and they were coming to James and they were saying, why, are we, why hasn't God brought us out? Evidently, God is letting this happen to, to me. God let, allowed this to happen. That is, an, that is a, a faulty belief system that is so ingrained in so many different denominations and even in people who don't have denominational teaching, they think if it happened, God allowed it to happen. When you begin to recognize the authority that God gave to man and the operation of, the, of God's authority on the earth today, the, the, when you begin to see that, it brings it into a greater clarity. But there are so many people who, uh, who think God let this happen. God allowed this to come on my body. That's not my father. My heavenly father is good and every good and perfect gift, that's what James is telling them here, every good and perfect gift comes from God. God doesn't have evil and he doesn't tempt people with evil. If evil has come on somebody, it's a trespasser. It doesn't ask, if, and that would be like... Um, uh, uh, Somebody getting, uh, not you, somebody else, getting robbed and saying the police let it happen. Well, the police just let it happen. I got robbed and the police let it happen. The police are there to enforce it, but they may not have been there when it happened. It's a trespasser. That thief trespassed and took something that didn't belong and there wasn't anybody there with authority to stop and say, how do we give God authority? Remember the dominion that praise, praise gives him a throne to sit on? So if I've got an atmosphere of praise in my house, then there's a greater authority of God operating in my house. But if the thief comes and tries to trespass, I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to say, God, there's a thief in the house. And I'm going to go get the gun. <laughs> and we're going to stand against the thief and say, in the, I'm going to get my weapon. This is my weapon. right? And I'm going to say, no. And, and God's going to back me up. I'm going to say what his word says and he's going to back me up and I'm going to resist the devil 
There's a devil loose. That's why things happen. Bad things happen to good people because there's a devil loose. There's a curse operative in the earth today. God is our rescue. He will help us. If the thief breaks through, if the thief finds an open door, if the thief uh, uh, manages, if the curse manages to try to trespass, I'm not going to blame God because the thief is trespassing. I'm going to go to God and say, you're my help. Let's stand against this. Amen? That's what James was dealing with in this chapter. But notice in verse 2, he begins by putting them in the flow of joy. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. This word diverse means multifaceted. It means um, uh, on every hand. The word fall means to fall headlong, head first into diverse temptations. This phrase, fall, is uh, uh, only used, that word fall is only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's to describe the man who was, who fell among thieves and was beaten and left for dead. And then the Good Samaritan came and found him. That word fall is a word that means to fall headlong, head first into such a dire, difficult situation that tries to beat you up rob you and leave you for dead. It says when you fall into that kind of a situation, what are you supposed to do? Count it all joy. The Berkeley translation says, consider it maximum joy. Consider it maximum joy. So when... Brother Hagen made this statement. He said, I gave more emphasis to rejoicing and, and, and exercising that joy in difficult times than I did just when everything was going okay. Because joy is not just an expression for us to release a, a happiness. Joy is a tool that helps us become strong. It's a force, a, a flow of the Spirit. So he says, when you fall into that difficult situation, if your body is under attack... You need to, this is maximum joy time. Consider this, joy is a priority to the person whose body is under attack. Joy is a priority to the person whose body is under attack. I, that's not something I can just leave and say, well, that's not important right now. I need healing right now. I'm, that's what I said. That's what I said. Joy is priority to the person whose body is sick. Yeah, but I need healing, not joy. I, I'm just told you how to get you healing. A, the strong spirit of a man. We'll get to that. Let me. Let, I don't know if I'm going to get to that today. We may have to look at that opportunity in the future. But I want to. I want to say this. Um, the Bible says. Let me just jump to that. Proverbs 18. because I don't want to leave that part undone. I think we're there for it. Proverbs 18, verse 14. And the Amplified, babe, I'm going to read it in both, but I really like the Amplified of it because it brings out something uh, that the King James doesn't quite make as clear. Proverbs 18 and 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. What is, see, that doesn't give us the same clarity as this. You ready for this from the Amplified? The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? The strong spirit of a man sustains him when he is in bodily pain. In other words, the strength in my spirit... This word sustain in the Hebrew means to feed or nourish. The strong spirit of a man feeds him or nourishes him when he is in pain or trouble. So physical attack, I need strength. What did we find out strength was? Joy. If I want to check how strong I am, let me see how, how much I'm rejoicing. 
Because you can say, well, I've got joy. I've got joy. I got joy. And God's got his hand up by his ear saying, oh, yeah? I'm listening. You say you got joy? Right? You, you say you got joy? I, express your joy. It, it is something that's in my spirit that needs to be brought out. And when I do, I'm drawing out of salvation. It says the strong spirit will feed or nourish a person who is in bodily pain or trouble. And then Proverbs 17.22, and we'll end here. Proverbs 17.22. A merry heart does good like a medicine. That is in your Bible. We need it in our heart and in our mouth, don't we? A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. That's like what Proverbs said. A weak and broken spirit is not going to raise that person up. And that person's not going to be able to bear. You can go through some things a lot quicker and easier with your spirit strong than you can if you're weak spiritually. And do you know how people get weak spiritually? Sadness. Grieving. Worry. Worry, 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 worry. It drains the strength out of your spirit. It just drains it all off. I mean, you can be charged up all the way. I, I had on my phone... Uh, some years ago, I had a, a, I, I'd just gotten, I'd been using my maps a lot and didn't realize it. Uh, I was using my maps to find my way from here over to Sherwood and uh, some uh, visiting a church over there in Sherwood. And um, uh, I was noticing that I would charge my phone and my phone would just go, go down. My battery on my phone, I'm like, my battery, I've got a newer battery than that. I should not be losing that much battery. And so, of course, I looked up you know, if your battery, and I found out that there was a setting on my phone that was using my location services the whole time, and it was draining my battery, and I didn't even know it was running in the background. I wasn't asking it to do that. I wasn't, I, I didn't have my phone open, caught working it, but because that was turned on, it was working even when my phone was in my purse, and it was draining my battery. That's what worry does. It, it works behind the scenes and you don't even realize it. You just think, you know, this is just a natural response. I'm just trying to deal with this situation. I'm worried about it. And you get on the phone and you tell somebody, well, and you go through the whole ordeal with them and then you hang up from them and you run into somebody at the convenience store and then you go through the whole ordeal with that person and you tell somebody calls you and says, how you doing? And then you go through the whole ordeal with that person. And by the time you have rehearsed the problem and you've, you know, built that image in your spirit of that problem and worried about that problem, it's been draining your spirit. And it says, a weak spirit, who can raise it up? Who can bear? A merry heart does good like a medicine. The Bible in basic English says, a glad heart makes a healthy body. Ah, I like that one. A glad heart. That's me. A glad heart makes a healthy body. But a crushed spirit makes the bones dry. So the, the level of joy affects our physical health. The uh, English Standard Version says, A joyful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. The Moffat's translation says, A glad heart helps and heals. But a broken spirit saps vitality. A glad heart helps and heals. Hallelujah. So this is why joy is a necessary flow in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got homework, don't we? Exceedingly rejoice. Be glad. That's your homework. That's your homework. Be